Welcome, everyone, to the newest Discover Strength Podcast mini-series, where we'll be focusing on 12 things we think are essential for getting better results from your workouts in less time. Join us as we go deeper on each topic in a format that's perfect for sharing and broadening your own knowledge. Thanks for joining us, and please enjoy this week's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Discover Strength Podcast on our mini-series of all things you should know, strength training and in the gym. I'm joined again by David Gershneidner, our Vice President of Operations and an exercise physiologist at Discover Strength. Dave, say hi, and we'll get right in here, man. Thanks for having me, Logan. Yeah, thanks for coming back on again. Today, we're talking about something I think is going to be really interesting to a lot of our listeners. Uh, Another really pervasive myth, things we hear a lot of times when people come in for strength training for the first time, or even if they've been with us for a while, uh, some of the misconceptions that people have, uh, a lot of misinformation out there. So today, we're going to be talking about resistance training and its effects on body composition. So what is the traditional thought in your mind and and the things you've seen and the questions you've been asked, Dave, how do people think in general that they can improve their body composition? How can they lose some weight, get better results? What's the normal answer you get? Yeah. So I think, you know, you, you asked this question maybe in the early two thousands, I feel like this has started to change over the course of, I mean, my career. Um, but people's answer traditionally has been aerobic exercise uh, in order to improve their body composition, in order to get thinner, um, pair that with diet. I think everybody kind of knows diet is a pretty obvious one, but you know the, the message on this, and I think if you ask people now, it's, it is starting to change to people understanding that resistance training is a really important aspect of improving their body composition. So I think that narrative is beginning to change, but traditionally speaking, most people are going to tell you I should probably be running a little bit more. And we even have clients this day that that think they should be. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. I think there's sort of a shift. I think it's kind of generational too, right? It's it's people who were maybe brought up in the 80s with this aerobic idea of uh, that they need to do cardio. They need to have a certain amount of physical activity in order to burn calories. And it's sort of a trade-off, right? You have to invest X amount of time in order to get that number on the scale to go down. Uh, And like you said, now we're sort of seeing this shift that people are recognizing that diet is probably the most important lever you can pull, right? Uh, Increasing the amount of calories out versus the amount of calories in. So how do we increase the amount of calories we burn though? How can we pull that lever to to put a little more out into the world that may not be involved with cardio? Because I think it's important, and, and I want you to dive in here, but to realize that running, regardless of if you run a mile, jog a mile, or walk a mile, it ends up being about 100 calories, right? So even if you run a marathon, it's only about 2,600 calories. That's like three really good donuts, right? So talk to us about how we can find some ways to pull that lever to increase our calorie burn in the long term that's going to have some benefits for us. Yeah, so the single most effective mode of exercise if you're trying to improve your body composition is going to be strength training, right? So if you had to pick any type of exercise to do and your stated goal is I want to take my body fat percentage from here to here and you had to pick one, it would be resistance exercise. Now, that being said, it still pales in comparison to having a great diet and being dialed in on the protein intake that you need to have and the specifically calorie intake that you need to have on a daily basis. But the reason that resistance exercise is so effective as a mode of exercise for this is 
it increases your resting metabolic rate and aerobic exercise simply does not. You burn some calories while you perform that exercise. You actually burn fewer calories at rest in the time following that workout. Whereas after a strength training workout, your body is working so hard to rebuild all that torn muscle tissue that you're burning more calories acutely for the next few days. Yeah, and I think this is such an important point that we don't really see affected as much on our fitness watches, on the actual, I think people become obsessed with the number they see on the Peloton or on their treadmill or whatever it is of, hey, I burned X amount of calories. Well, that's all well and good. But again, what Dave is saying there is if you do a bout of cardiovascular exercise, your body adjusts accordingly, right? If you burn 500 calories, well, your body's going to slow everything down for the rest of the day to where your net caloric burn is essentially zero, right? Your, your uh, metabolic system will slow down a little bit so that you don't overburn an excess amount of calories, right? It's how we've stayed alive as humans for so long. Now, that's not the case with resistance training, right? So what happens, let's talk a little more in detail about short-term and long-term. What does the acute response look like uh, to a bout of high-intensity training or just full-body strength training? And then what happens over the long-term that allows us to be a little more effective as calorie-burning machines? Yeah. So there's, as you touched on, an acute and a chronic response to resistance training. So the acute response is a five to nine, roughly, uh, percent increase in your resting metabolic rate for the two to three days following your workout. So uh, as soon as you're done training, you've elevated your resting metabolic rate because, like I said, your body's working really hard to help you recover from all the, the muscle damage and stress you've put, uh, put it under. And so acutely, you're burning more calories at rest the next few days. Long term, every pound of muscle tissue you put on increases your resting metabolic rate significantly more than fat. Technically, putting on fat as well will increase your resting metabolic rate, uh, but it's significantly less metabolically active than muscle is. And so if you're able to add muscle, you're going to increase your resting metabolic rate in the long term. And then in the short term, as you continue to strength train, you're burning more and more calories at rest following your, your workouts, right? So if you put on a handful of pounds of muscle, you've become just day in, day out, a more effective calorie burning machine. And then that acute response is even more elevated because you have a higher metabolic rate now. So um, they kind of play off of each other over the course of time. Yeah, and I think this is so important for people to understand, especially if they've tried some crash diets in the past, um, especially if they've tried the just, I'm going to starve myself and do cardio. Well, there's a reason that that doesn't work, right? We're not getting enough uh, resistance training, so you're not building up and actually holding on to any muscle tissue you have. And on average, and this is according to research by uh, Dr. Wayne Westcott, he saw this over and over again in his YMCA studies, uh, people tend to lose when they do that sort of thing, just cardio and a uh, crash diet, like drastically reducing calories. About 50% of the weight they lose is from muscle. And that's the worst thing that can happen, right? We want to target that fat loss. And the way you do that is by resistance training and increasing your protein consumption while slightly decreasing your calorie intake so that you maintain as much muscle as possible and really target that fat loss specifically. Um, what do we tend to recommend for clients? How do we get them to get on the right path with making sure that they're following along with that sort of uh, idea of maximizing fat loss and minimizing muscle loss are you are you talking about from an exercise perspective or from a diet I would perspective 
I would say both. So what are some of the yeah. recommendations? Obviously, we're not dietitians at Discover Strength, but what yeah. would be some of our, our general recommendations to someone who says, hey, I want to lose some fat, um, but I don't want to lose a bunch of muscle in the process? Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing I would suggest to them is to either do a bod pod, a DEXA scan. If they don't have access to either of those, they can maybe do an in-body test, which is a little bit uh, bioimpedance, but something that's going to tell them what their body fat percentage is and based off of that, what their metabolic rate is. Because then based off of that, you can do basically a calculation on how to be in a caloric deficit. So for us, it's anywhere from a 10 to 25% reduction in calories based off of their activity level. And then we pair that with trying to eat one gram per pound of body weight uh, of protein. So continuing to strength train twice a week, okay? can or cannot do cardio. You don't need to, you can do cardio if you would like to, but strength train a couple times a week, have one gram per pound of body weight. And that's a little bit higher than if you were calorically neutral. If you're in a deficit, you need a little bit more protein and then, uh, and then make sure, like I said, you're in a caloric deficit, but I'll make sure to use that tool first to give you an accurate idea of what your resting metabolic rate is. Because once again, if you're uh, much more composition made up of muscle, you're probably going to burn more calories. And so you're going to have a different rest metabolic rate than if you were to just use your body weight. Yeah, such an important point and, and really valuable for somebody who's thinking about starting on a weight loss journey. Um, that tool, whatever it might be, whether it's a bioimpedance, if it's DEXA, if you've got access to something like a pod pod, getting that done right away. Um, because as we know, and as we see all the time with clients, with uh, friends who train with people who just start strength training in general, you're going to see some changes, but they may or may not reflect on the scale, right? Now, obviously, the dream for all of us is that, you know, we show up, we strength train for three weeks, and we lose 10 pounds, and it's all fat, right? But that's just not the reality for everyone. Yeah. A lot of times, especially if you haven't adjusted your diet accordingly, you may not see any difference in the scale, but there's a lot of things going on on the inside, right? You may be shifting some fat for some muscle. Yeah, Dave's raising his hand there. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's I, didn't, to me, I don't want to interrupt you. Um, yeah. That point you bring up, it, it's exactly what happened to my dad. So my dad started training with us, been training with us now for like six years um, and and swears by it now that his golf and tennis game are, uh, are as good as they were six years ago. Um, but when he first did a bod pod, he did a follow-up bod pod a month later and he told me going into that bod pod, he's like, my weight hasn't changed at all. He's like, I appreciate everything that we're, we're doing here. He's like, I just, I know it's not working because my weight's the same. And then he went in and he had lost five pounds of fat and he had added five, uh, five pounds of fat-free mass. So his weight didn't change, but his body composition changed by like two and a half percent. And he was like, oh, sweet. This is awesome. This works so well, right? So yeah. that was just a, uh, reminding me of that anecdote. No, it's a, it's a great anecdote and one one we see all the time and we've had shared with us all the time, right? Of man, my pants are fitting a little better, but the scale's just not changing, right? Yeah. So putting all those pieces together, realizing that you don't have to starve yourself. It can be a conservative amount of a calorie deficit, but strength training becomes exceptionally important when we're trying to uh, improve or change our body composition uh, and then also protein consumption. And just making sure that we're we're doing it in a healthy, safe way, so that we can get that short, acute change, uh, that increase in the calories burn, and then more importantly, if we stay consistent, if we keep doing it for a number of months, a number of years, you're going to become a more efficient calorie burning machine overall. Is there anything else from a body composition perspective you think our listeners would like to take home? No, no, I think we've been pretty comprehensive. I just 
like to always add the caveat of there's a lot of reasons to do cardio, but improving your body composition is just not one of them. So there's reasons to get on the bike. There's reasons to go run. Um, it's just usually not a very effective means to improve, improve body composition and to burn more calories. Um, so I think that's an important note that I don't want to demonize cardio. It's just not the best mode of exercise for this goal. Yeah, a hundred percent. Thank you for, for clarifying that because sometimes we can come off as just, you know, strength training zealots. And, and the reality is there is a lot of benefit, uh, to cardiovascular training as well. But like Dave said, uh, losing calories, uh, losing weight through cardio is just, it's not one of them. So thank you guys so much for listening. Um, as always, if you have any questions, reach out to us. Uh, and Dave, thanks again for joining me today. We're excited to see everyone again soon and keep this series going. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks, Logan. Mm -hmm.